Hello, my friends. Welcome back to Modern Wisdom. Today, I am joined by Johnny and Yusuf from propanefitness.com, and we are discussing the fitness menopause. This is a concept which I came up with about two or three years ago when I started doing CrossFit, and I realized that I'd never really liked bodybuilding all that much. I'd just kind of fallen into it. And this is a common theme I'm seeing with many bros and... What's a female bro, bro lifter, like a chick lifter, bro, bro, brodette, brunette? Anyway, chicks, chick lifters, uh, bros and chicks that pivot from doing a classic bodybuilding style split, push pull legs or, you know, five part body part split. And then they get towards their 20s or 30s and they think, oh, hang on a second. I never actually really enjoyed this. And they start to do yoga or fighting or Brazilian jiu-jitsu or CrossFit or Pilates or any one of a million other athletic pursuits. And the goal of today is to try and red pill you that your training regime might not be quite what you want out of an exercise routine. It very well may be. You may love bodybuilding. You may absolutely adore doing push-pull legs, but hopefully today will give you some food for thought and potentially uh, open your eyes to a world of exercise which you haven't considered before. In other news, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Aleco. That's right, the number one supplier of gym equipment on the planet is a Modern Wisdom sponsor. Of course, why wouldn't they be? Uh, And today we are talking about their at-home gym kits. So lockdown is still continuing and it sucks. You do not want your gains to go away, which means that you need some weights. A couple of kettlebells, a couple of dumbbells, perhaps a barbell and some weights and plates would do. But where do you get it from? All of the Amazon stores have jacked the prices up by 5,000% and you've got to offer yourself out on street corners in a desperate attempt to get hold of a resistance band. But that's not true with Aleco. So head to shop.aleco.com for access to everything. This is the company that provides the weights, plates and bars for the I. PF, the International Powerlifting Federation. So they are the best on the planet. And you can get 15% off everything, 15% off the best kit in the world by using MW15 at checkout. That's shop.aleco.com, MW15 for 15% off everything. And they're Swedish, you know, they're not stopping. Sweden hasn't stopped at all. They just kept on cracking on. Shop.aleco.com, code MW15 for 15% off everything. But for now, it's time for the fitness menopause with Johnny and Yusuf. I'm joined by Johnny and Yusuf from propanefitness.com. Look at Hello. That. So good to see you. Are you doing some boxing? I was just enjoying the, the effect. It looks like quite a, like a cat. Uh, today, we are talking about the fitness menopause. It's something that we've dropped on podcasts for the last couple of years. And we keep getting questions about it. And I was recently <clears> on a Cambro Conversations podcast and red-pilled a bunch of his audience by t- teaching them what the fitness menopause is. So we thought we'd have a good discussion about it today. Um I'll start off. I'll try and give a, a broad definition so everyone knows what we're talking about, and then we'll we'll take it from there. So, 
fitness menopause was something that I'd identified within myself toward my late 20s when I'd been doing bro lifting, fitness stuff, bodybuilding for a while and realized as I became chronically aware of my own mortality as I approached 30, uh, realized that I was getting out of breath going up a, a big hill and I was kind of a little bit bored of just doing, you know, chest Mondays and chest Tuesdays and chest Wednesdays and curls and stuff like that and training purely for aesthetics and I was just disenchanted. I kind of lost my love with training, um, certainly lost the motivation to do it without really grinding myself to get out of bed and, and go to the gym. Um, so then just started trying to do different things. Went and did Thai boxing and normal boxing, started doing yoga, then got into CrossFit. Um, and the fitness menopause describes a period, I think, in a lot of fitness people's lives who perhaps have just entered into the world of training by doing bodybuilding or bro-style lifting um, from just the age of teens or early 20s or whatever, and then never tried anything else. And as they approach their late 20s, they think, oh, hang on, like this, this maybe isn't fulfilling me in quite the way that I thought. How do you think about that as a definition? You reckon that's about right? I, I mean, that's about right. right. It, it applies to a very specific subsection of people. And are, are we millennials or are we... No, we're technically, we, yeah, it's 84, 84 till 96. It, okay, so, so I think in that case then, <clears throat> millennials tend to fall into this bracket quite well because there was this surge of the popularity of weightlifting, bodybuilding, that kind of stuff kind of coinciding with like T nations rise and fall and then bodybuilding.com and all of these, like, um, like simply Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-
this will be like, why? Did, I quite like go fitness. Go Google him. Um, yeah, so here's my reasoning. Timing's one of them. Um, but my other reason, and this is why I, I think the front end of the bodybuilding and fitness training, that kind of fitness training funnel continues to get good traffic in the front end, <clears throat> is that it's the type of training with the lowest mechanical barriers to entry and the lowest amount of skill requirement of any physical sport on the planet. Like I can take anyone who's listening, I can take your mum into the gym tomorrow teach her a supinated bicep curl to probably within about 80% of the compliance and proficiency that I can do it in after 15 years of training. Yeah, like, and you can increase her back weight, get her a sick taper. <laughs> um, <laughs> get her jacked. Get your mum jacked so that she looks real mean when she's walking the dog. But yeah, the, the barriers to entry to doing bodybuilding are so, so low. And people don't like doing stuff that they suck at. You know, like think about weightlifting. The snatch is essentially an impossible movement. Like, it's completely ridiculous. Physically impossible. And, and, and some people just do that and another one all their life. You know, Klokov. And still not. Klokov just does <laughs> variations of snatch and clean and jerk. And he's like, he's in his 40s and, he, and still massive. But you get my point. Like, people don't like doing stuff that's challenging mechanically because they feel silly. Whereas you can mm-hmm. go into a gym tomorrow and get externalized rewards socialized rewards don't really need to worry about what the what the internalized gains are it's like oh well i can't really touch my toes anymore and maybe my shoulder aches a bit but look at that i've gained an inch on my chest well we've all been involved in hand like a big guy in the gym you're like 19 big guy in the gym who's been like strutting around working up to a big set of incline dumbbell press he comes out he goes like mate you just hand off the dumbbells for us please and you have to pick up the dumbbell and give it to him and then you watch him go Partial rep. Yeah, because he feels good at it because he can just set his own rules. Like, no one's checking his form on his inclined dumbbell press. It's like, well, I lifted the biggest dumbbells in the gym, mate. So that's, the, the, that's like the, the entry level, isn't it? The way you can, you can even set your own rules for range of motion and everything else. Powerlifting is kind of the next level up, but it still is very much, unfortunately, like the, the sport for non-athletes. Yeah, and, and it's, it's it's why it's got the um, the reputation of like at least a beginner and kind of low intermediate level is that it it's just got the reputation of like people who were never any good at any other sport or athletic activity, mm-hmm. and it's not just wildly kind of, athletic, is it? Well, no, and it allows people to justify being being fat, not being able to touch their toes, like all of the kind of things that would normally just not fly in another sport. But instead, it's, diet, it's almost too much it's caffeine, an advantage. horrible yeah. during training. Like, like at yeah. competition, you see people that clearly do not need like intra workout or intra competition, um, Haribo and burgers and stuff. And then they go go out for a McDonald's at the end of the having done nine reps that day for the competition. <laughs> so I'm gonna be, I am gonna defend powerlifting here. I feel like people will be expecting me to. I completely agree with that until you reach, like national level especially like national level in the u.s and then international level 100 percent. like when you when you bump into a polish bloke who's pulling like 410 with like neck striations you're what, like, what's happened there is that you you've got someone who actually yeah that's someone who is an athlete and is you've put them into yeah. a sport which well often when you look at it like when you look at their background it's like so like tom martin you look at his background and you're like ah yeah 100 meter sprinter yeah of course mm. of course but like people who like fell out of so I think the people who who tend to like get like like were doing rugby at a really high level, 
stop playing rugby and then they're like, oh, well, I, I lift weights, so I might as well just do that. And then before they know it, they're like podiuming yeah, at a national yeah. level and well, they can't I, really figure out why. It's uh, like, where, like, where's the competition gone? The, the um, thing, it's, a good, <laughs> it's a good point about the low end level on powerlifting, but being honest, like watch a shite Sunday league football team play. You know, yeah. you're, not, you're not exactly going to be watching fucking Cristiano Ronaldo go at it. So you're right at the bottom end of that. But at least those football players aren't just picking the ball up and running with it and saying, oh, well, mate, this is actually a little bit better for my pec development. So um, <laughs> yeah, it true. doesn't really matter. True. So, yeah, I think that's why the, the two main reasons are uh, path of least resistance, that it's kind of quite well known and easy to do and easily accessible and you can get a a membership at some big corporate gym for like fifteen pounds a month, which which is phenomenal, right? Like you know the fact mm. that you can get twenty four hour gym memberships in a city for fifteen quid a month is just insane. Insane. Um, but they're going in there to do you know, what do you think a typical bodybuilding program consists of? Maybe twenty five movements, like twenty five main movements. Yeah. Five days a week, five, five exercises, exercises a session. A yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, I, I, I just think that like people who are starting the fitness journey now, it's just shit for them. Like it was way better. Back when no one really knew what the crack was. And there was, <laughs> there was, you could the, go the, years without making any progress. But like in the back of your mind, like I remember spending 40 quid on surge workout fuel from TNA Nation, pretty, pretty confident that it was bullshit. But there's that thing in the back of your mind of like, yeah, but what if it is the type of carbohydrate in there? Like, what <laughs> if it is the fact frontier. that it is leucine, it is leucine rich and this is going to be the thing for me. This is going to be like, when everyone's looking at me going, like, fuck, have you seen the progress Johnny's made? It'll be because of the surge workout feel. I remember thinking like, oh, it's got cyclic dextrins in. Maybe that's exactly what, and you, you look it up and it's like, it's the main component in Febreze spray. <laughs> Yeah. And you're like, I remember, re- I remember figuring out, like, is it anthocyanin, the ingredient in Ego 3G? When you look at like some blueberry yogurts and they've got anthocyanin, and you're like, mm, okay, mate, like maybe it's not that. When like my Onken yogurt also has a bit of it in, like it's probably not that special. But, but then you look over and your mum's eating some and just, just got like striations in her bicep and you're like, like separation between a bicep oh, and tricep. And you're can like, I have some up. of that? Yeah. <laughs> Mum, how long have you been eating that blueberry yogurt from Uncle? Uh, I don't and, know. Uh, fucking massive. Uh, you better go clean your room. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so, Mum. So, okay. So that's, that's why I think people fall into kind of, let's like say, this path of least resistance. And here's the question that I want most people that are listening to try and answer. And it is, if you're doing a bodybuilding program, or if most of your training uh, career has been spent doing bodybuilding, typical bro-style training as a guy or a girl, do you like bodybuilding, or do you like exercising? Because those are not the same thing. Yeah, so I've, I've got quite strong views on this, um, which is that everybody wants to be a bodybuilder, <laughs> but nobody wants to lift no heavy-ass weight. No, my my, my thought is that Everyone has. <laughs> Johnny's lost it. <laughs> it's, it's one of the, the ancient axioms, isn't it? Of like written in stone by Ron Coleman, PhD. Ronald. Ron, Ron Coleman. Coleman. Ah. So the reality is that everyone has bodybuilding goals. There is such a small percentage of the world and that they're, they're like 
a weird kind of like fetish group, aren't they? Like feeders and that kind of thing that don't oh, want less fat and more muscle. So they, yeah, they're like 0.01% of people that have this weird fetish what have like an inverse bodybuilding goal. But it's still a bodybuilding goal. <laughs> okay, I mean, let me rephrase. Let me rephrase the way that I put it. Do you like bodybuilding training, or do you I like see. exercise? So I, I think that probably most people. I think the number of people who like exercise probably don't like it because it's exercise. If you see what I mean, like they don't. No one likes bodybuilding necessarily. No one really likes. Even like the more modern stuff, like I know people get really obsessed with certain aspects of powerlifting, certain aspects of CrossFit. They just like what they think it's going to do for them or what they kind of get out of it. So like they get a little bit of props on social media. People share their new lift. They hit a new Fran time. Um, and I, my experience has been throughout fitness, like I desperately wanted abs because I was convinced that that was going to improve my life. Got it. And I was like, mm, all right. And then I desperately wanted a 300 kilo deadlift. Because I was like, well, that means I win if I go 300 kilos deadlift. Got it. I was like, mm-hmm, okay. And then, like, the goals just kind of drift past, and you're like, well, I could get lean again, but it doesn't really do much for me. Like, I could add 10 kilos to my deadlift, but like, that'd be a proper faff. That's maybe what fueled the fitness menopause for you is that you have to uh, you have to hit all these big achievements, and then mm-hmm. you're like, mm, didn't really, yeah. Well, so exactly I, the same. I think that people go people attach onto a mode of exercise because they they believe that the outcome of it will be a huge deal for them. And it, to be honest, it is like, I think that probably what, what I've gained from fitness is, is a big deal, but you kind of hit these milestones and then you think, all right, well, I'm kind of done with bodybuilding now. Like I've, I've done it. I've taken a progress photo. I'm really happy. Maybe I should start doing something that's competitive. Maybe I'll get into triathlons or. I think, I think there's a good point to be made there about the fact that you kind of do need to pay your dues. If you've got this unticked box, with regards to physical development in some other area, it is a good idea to tick that first. It's that Naval Ravikantism where he says it is far easier to achieve your material desires than to recount them. And it's like, I would much sooner not, not be bothered about being lean because I've been lean than not mm-hmm. be bothered about being lean just because I gave up. You know? um, oh, yeah, because yeah. you'd always have that like sense wonder, in the back of your head. I wonder what it's like if I'm single-digit body fat. Um, but yeah, so I, I, like like Johnny definitely ticked that box hard in the like you know you, you went to you competed at worlds and then you know then realized that actually like placing at worlds and winning worlds is so much more effort compared to getting there mm-hmm. that like because the, the curve of like um, return on investment suddenly for should, the like, people that don't know what so is worlds world it's- champion. It's just the top. It's just the, mo- the like the highest level in IPF. But which like is, honestly, like which is what? What's IPF? Oh, um, so there's the International Powerlifting Federation, which is often seen as being like the like the, the best one to be in because the the rules are the most strict. They've got stringent drug testing and all that sort of stuff. Um, I think they're technically like the most strict on depth and like what you can and can't do in the bench press and all sort of stuff. And then there's the GBPF and there's the EPF, which is the European Powerlifting Federation. So if you Place at nationals, you go to Europeans. If you do all right, Europeans, you can sometimes be selected for worlds. So that happened to, to me. Worlds and you've got GB uh, singler t-shirts. I do all the, that the stuff. whole thing. To be honest, I think it's because Tom Martin couldn't do it that year. Like seriously. <laughs> um, but Thanks, uh, you know, Tom. at least I, at least I'm honest about that. I think I I get really riled up by people who 
I'm going to offend some people here. I get really riled up by you've got like people who are legit, like really strong, been training a long time, like should be at Worlds, and then you've got people who get to Worlds because of sort of an administrative process that where a box needed to be like a form, someone needed to fill a form in, so you've gone to Worlds, and like I just don't think they're the same thing, personally. But anyway, um, so like that's, I can that, hear yeah. you. I can hear your tiptoeing around the issue that you're trying to get to so the reason is the reason is i watched tony cliff in the gbpf facebook group say something like i can't remember exactly what he did but it was something like um everyone's like everyone's a paper champion these days or everyone's got like a everyone's got a medal and everyone's been a europeans because of like they competed where there's only two people in the weight class and he really really like people got really offended and i can see why they got offended because he's he is like discrediting a lot of people mm. But the reason why I don't really like sort of saying like I went to Worlds is because I I honestly I don't really feel like I deserve to be there because I think I went there because Tom Martin could, like if Tom Martin had gone he'd have probably meddled whereas I didn't well I so mean, like you have the singlet from that year and not Tom Martin that's, so, that's true you know that's say true. it say it however you want I don't think Tom Martin actually has that singlet at all motherfucker so have you considered getting it framed or is it framed. Yeah, you told me. No, I, I, I have it like, so I have my European one mm. and then I have when SBD we realised like, oh, we should really put some money into this. And it stopped just being like a Union Jack, like ironed onto a singlet and it started being like a full that you couldn't buy. Um, it's just in my drawer. Dude, you should do it. So I told you this story. Sonny Webster had his from, I think, the Commonwealth and uh, the from the Olympics. So fair enough. Framed with that, with like a special bracketed light downlighting it, and um, like fuck it, man. I think you know. I think if I'd been to the Olympics, I'd do that too. Bro, I just don't you've been see to it the, as the highest. You have you have made it to the peak of the sport mm-hmm. that you chose to put most of your fitness career into. I think that yeah, you deserve it. Okay, well, thank you. I I, I see why you think that. That's mm. that's nice. Even <laughs> Can we just do a little aside, just about Tom Martin, just because. <laughs> He, Can we explain who he is briefly, please? Yeah, because so, you've so, dropped so he, his name about 20 he, times. He, he's a guy who he went a bit viral like a, a good few years ago now, probably six, seven years ago, because at 83 kilos, he deadlifted 340. And um, everyone was... Yeah. 340 kilograms. <laughs> so I think, I think, it was, think, think been... of the heaviest thing you've ever moved in your life, ever. Probably Double even it. the heaviest like <laughs> single object that isn't like a car that you've ever seen in your life, heavier than that. Think like small cow... <laughs> <laughs> and so and and he he didn't look like a lifter he was he was like came straight out of sprinting and just happened to have a freak deadlift like obviously a lot of training as well and then people were commenting being like this isn't real or this is on drugs or whatever and and then he started to go up a weight class competed against johnny there's a great video on instagram of him on the podium doing a like a juddery deadlift and then puts it down and the camera just pans to johnny and he's just going because <laughs> um, i just come off so i just come off the platform after having trying to pull 300 kilos and farted at nationals <laughs> so like it didn't even budge it didn't even budge because he like and then <laughs> i think you have heard it because you're standing behind me but no one else heard it thank why, god why did i mean what happened there did that mean that you lost your bracing tension or what yeah you put all because a little in. bit of fart came out. You put it. You put a belt on. You're trying to create all this like intra-abdominal pressure. How you're much fart was bracing. there? 
just enough to just just take the edge off. And you're like, ah, oh, you need cause, cause cause you don't want a, everything a, to do what, a max deadlift. What's it called? Um, turtle head. Like you, you don't want that. Prairie one. dogging. No. You don't want it to be prairie, prairie dog. dogging. Yeah. So I just missed three hundred, and then Tom comes and has his go, his turn. And <laughs> so this guy, like he he hit his kind of sprinting menopause, probably probably at the top of his game regionally with that. Found that he had a uh, a what do they call it? A penchant. Penchant for, for deadlifting. Went up a weight class, hit very good levels in the in the IPF. Got sick of all of the the bollocks around that. Got loads of drug accusations. Left the IPF. Went up like two more weight classes, and just got absolutely huge and increased his deadlift by like a hundred kilos. And then started within. competing in a non-tested federation. Yeah, he's never come out and said like. I've started taking drugs now, but it's quite clear when you leave a tested federation and go and compete in a non-tested federation. And all your lifts go up. It's fairly Usually as well. Yeah. It, it's in, he's squatting, I think, over 400 now. He's pulled 420. Tom, shout the, the, out, man. The most impressive things he's, I've ever seen him do. One was at that competition where he comes out, no hype at all, not even, barely even a facial expression, misses like a 270 squat in the bottom. So like goes all the way down, tries to drive up, can't even budge. You're like, ah. Oh. Hard lines, Tom. Good try. Third attempt comes out exactly the same weight and smokes it. <laughs> so that's impressive. Just like, Who is this man? A lot of caffeine that he's and had then on, in, the, in between it, the lifts. There's a video on Instagram of him passing out mid squat and like mid mid rep, and he still nearly locks it out. <laughs> like that's that's why when people say, or when you just said powerlifting is sort of full of people who aren't very athletic, like there's a video of Tom cleaning 180. Like it's nothing. Oh Jesus yeah. So, so, so what, yeah, what what I'm saying is like at the beginner and intermediate level, like the the barriers to entry are very low, and then so, as you approach the yeah. top, the the curve flattens so quickly, mm. and to then go from even at like world's level, as you said, to go from att- attending worlds to placing at worlds oh, becomes like a five year insurmountable task. Yeah. 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 So <clears throat> okay, so that's that's I think a nice little bit of framing. So I think. Again, for the people that are listening, my my main question is, do you enjoy a bodybuilding style of training? Do you enjoy chest on a Monday and legs on a Tuesday and shoulders on a Wednesday and blah, 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 five sets of fucking 10 to 14 or whatever it might be, and I'll do me warm-ups and I'll do me external rotations and all that stuff. Sevens. Seven. Ah, everyone loves that. Partials. Two kilo do me partials. Um, <laughs> like, is that what you enjoy or do you enjoy exercise? Because especially for a lot of guys that are listening, but some girls as well, you'll have done a bunch of sports, at school, probably after school club, something like that. Maybe you played football or rugby or cricket or, you know, America, baseball, American football, whatever it might be. And then you get to college or uni and realize that there's distractions of drinking and partying and getting in relationships and stuff like that. And then you think, well, I need something which is flexible in terms of time, doesn't have very many barriers to entry and bolsters my confidence in a very socialized way rather than in a, an achievement-sized uh, way. And um, I, I just think what it leads a lot of people to do is get to their mid to late 20s and think, fucking hell, I haven't really actually indulged my desires in terms of a physical output for a very, very long time. The type, the domain that I've been operating within hasn't actually made me feel that much better at all. I've looked jacked, do whatever, 
But um, <clears throat> now I'm going to try. I wonder what yoga's like. I wonder what fighting's like. I wonder what Brazilian jiu-jitsu's like. I wonder what CrossFit's like. And then inevitably what you see when people pivot and make that transition is that because it's, firstly, because there's novelty effect, but secondly, because they perhaps genuinely have found something that they enjoy as a sport or as an athletic pursuit, their compliance goes up. And when their compliance goes up, their training volume goes up. And when the training volume goes up, their condition and their progress increases. So you actually realize that <clears throat> perhaps stopping to a, doing a bodybuilding program, which you low-key hate, might be one of the best things you could do for your bodybuilding goals by switching to something else. Now, there's a couple of caveats. If you want to keep on making growth and gains, you need to make sure that whatever you're choosing to do has some form of, of loading. It also needs to have some form of progressive overload in there. Also needs to have some form of intensity. You know, like no one's getting jacked doing yoga unless it's a very specific type of yoga, which is like a lot of power yoga with, um, you know, yin yoga isn't getting anyone jacked. Um, but yeah, my point is, I just think, a lot more people than realize it would be significantly happier doing a different type of sport. Mm. I think it kind of depends on been through the initial yeah. phase. Yeah. Why, you, do they think... need, why do they need to do that? Why do they need to go through the initial e phase? Everyone has to gain a, a basic level of muscle mass and strength. And there's so like 99% of people who I see who are untrained, like most of their problems could be fixed by just getting a body weight squat and a body weight, but you know, like just hitting basic targets with even like rehab injury type stuff. You, you know, when you see, we've talked about this on other podcasts, I think when you see um, girls wearing Ugg boots and they're like, they've got like valgus knee and their hips just, oh, and, and they just look really like floppy, floppy and, yeah. and, and, and they're always complaining of hip issues. And, and you're like, if you just could squat 60 kilos, so much of your life would be sorted out. Yeah. Clamshells twice a week. <laughs> Those things with the bands. And yeah, I think it's like, it's just, it's just general gaining general body awareness and what it feels like to, to push yourself physically. I think it's really easy to gain experience with that, with like a barbell or machine based resistance training. So something that I saw when, um, I did CrossFit for on like six months was there's people in there who clearly like found CrossFit off the, like, like you, Chris, like found it off the back of having spent a lot of time doing like bodybuilding based training. And a lot of it, like someone gives you a dumbbell, you're like no problem. Mm -hmm. I've seen a dumbbell before, done a lot of shit with a dumbbell. Dumbbell's fine. Like the, the more sort of, and kind of the, the base layer like of, of Maslow's hierarchy and CrossFit is, is sorted. Like they can give you a barbell. They can give you, they can say, Chris, jump onto that and you're fine. But if you, if it, what you're laughing about. I just, just love like the concept of being given a dumbbell and be like, I'm familiar with one of these. <laughs> I, I, know, I, know, I know how this works. Well, that's, that's just how I felt about like, if, if there was a CrossFit workout where like Tim stands up and goes barbell here, dumbbell there. And I'm like, I can do that. Got it. But if it's like, Run! Like whoa, 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 whoa. Great. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I didn't on, fucking, on, I didn't fucking sign up for this. <laughs> whoa, hey, whoa, hold on, fucking, hold on. Rub Once. that out, mate. Just yeah. rub that line out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so like, I think when people, you, you also see the person who's like, it's a first CrossFit session, they've never, maybe never trained before, and the idea of doing like a push press. If I said to either of you, do a push press, you're like, yeah, fine. Mm. I like, mate, I've done push press. Like Yusuf's done the eye bodybuilder shoulder spec. Six oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Like we've all done a push press. Yeah. So like you put, you put that, and we've also all like taken a set to failure. 
don't like pushed ourselves physically beyond where we thought. And I think you do that. Push pressed one ten. That's my that's my PB. There you go. So someone gives you a barbell with one ten on, and you're like, I, 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 firstly, I kind of know what I'm capable of here. Secondly, I know what it feels like to miss. Thirdly, I, I know sort of I have a few technique cues in my mind. Give someone who's never touched a barbell before and say push press that. They're like, What's a push press? What's a barbell? What? How do I and pick you it up? Kind of go like, Can I do it with a mixed grip? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, yeah. There's, there's something about watching someone who's moved a, a lot of barbells around. There's a certain kind of grace. Yeah, like you never see this. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think it, a big. There's, 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 Honestly, man, like a big a big part of that just comes from doing athletics as a kid. But again, with that, like if there's people listening who did some form, you know, especially with girls, fucking tons of girls at my school were doing like dance or other kind of like dance associated outputs. And you think like your your proprioception, your ability to understand where your body is in space and how to move it from A to B is so much more advanced than a fucking donkey kickback. Like... Yeah. Why Why are you doing, like, three kilo tricep extensions like this? It's, it, it's when, a real regression, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, when like, you've got tons and tons of biomechanical uh, biomechanical control just sat latent in your brain. So that you, is that, I, I wonder if that's just people, like, compartmentalizing their, because, yeah, like, to have a background in dance, like, the amount of proprioception you need. Like, I'm, you know, I, I've done gymnastics for years, and I still look at the dancers and think, bloody hell, that's, yeah. that's yeah. a whole another level. So yeah, it like if you can cross over those skills and I like I'm so grateful that I had a background in gymnastics because I see so many people at my age or even five, ten years younger that are like, Oh, I wish I did a bit more of that stuff when I was younger and it's really hard now and, and they feel really creaky. And to have just had some low level gymnastic skill when you're younger just means that yeah, like you pick up any new skill so easily except anything with a ball i'm terrible at yeah, with you a are ball. Bad really? everything with the ball but i mean oh with the frisbee oh just anything like bad that with, bad with the frisbee yeah throw. <laughs> um yeah that's again that's another that's another really good point though like think about what your athletic base is especially go back to guys a lot of guys might have done like you say football or rugby or something as a kid like you have a really solid aerobic base really solid you'll understand how to run you'll understand how to cut and change direction and like you know even just going from that to just doing 5ks is probably not maximizing what you're what you're capable of doing you know obstacle racing or something like that would actually be maximizing your uh, fitness inheritance i suppose a little bit better mm. i think yeah i don't know I, I, like I say i just think why don't you um why don't you both give us a thirty thousand foot view of your fitness careers and how the how the menopause hit? I think that would be interesting. Okay, go for it, Johnny. All right, uh, fifteen, sixteen, fat kid, start getting bullied. I was like, right, well, I'm not having that. So started started watched a Rocky film, started running, realized running wasn't the answer. Read a couple of copies of Men's Health, Men's Fitness, started doing loads of curls, like loads of curls and like press ups and all that sort of stuff. Then Jim sort of progressively worked its way through. Like that's when I met Yusuf for the first time when he was doing like squats three times a week and drinking a gallon of milk a day. Yeah. I think just yeah. Oh. Lots of that stuff. So like lots of like lots of I remember like the first time trying creatine and all that sort of stuff, just in this desperate attempt to get lean for the first time. Got lean for the first time. 
then realized actually like being strong and training for, so then I like, did my first bulk ever and realized that gaining weight gaining weight and gaining strength was actually more exciting than losing weight and losing strength and so I did like 13 13 blocks of 531 hit my first ever like 500 pound deadlift squatted 200 kilos for the first time with Yusef in where were we Washington was it not no oh, to Kenton 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 gym um He's and then the like that with, with security cameras and cages around the security cameras. Yeah, I squatted 200 kilos in the corner of that gym. Um, and that kind of became an addiction. So I got into, did my first powerlifting competition because Yusuf suggested I did. Um, and it literally went like first competition, first squat I ever did set a regional record. <laughs> Second squat I did, broke my own regional record, won that competition, went to nationals, came third, went to Europeans, went to Worlds. They might were like be, my might first be something to this. <laughs> yeah, so like there was like my first six powerlifting competitions. So I was like, this is quite fun. This, <laughs> like, I get like the GB kit and all. Yeah, this yeah. is mint. Um, but then, and why are you here? Twenty five, twenty probably yeah, twenty yeah, twenty fifteen. I went to world, so twenty five. Yeah, um, and then kind of after that, um, trying to juggle it around like propane taking off and and like doing more work in the business. Um, and you've kind of scratched that itch, so it starts to become less and less interesting. And probably go back a year was when that came to a, a head, and I was just like, man, like I just cannot motivate myself to. So I moved up a weight class as well. So for the first time in my life, about two years ago, stopped being lean all the time, and I was like, I gained quite a lot of weight, and I was dealing with this other like tactically side. What you tactically gained weight? Ta- yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't yeah, like you'd let yourself. It wasn't like you'd gone to seed or something. It's that you decided no, that you no. wanted to move up a weight class. So I'd I'd had four or five consecutive competitions in the ninety threes where my total hadn't moved, um, and I was having to like aggressively weight cut for the competitions and all that sort of stuff. So moved up a weight class, hit bigger numbers. So hit like a two fifty squat, three twelve deadlift, one sixty bench, ripped my adductor in the bottom of a squat, and when that happened, I was like me man like all this work got a video of that haven't we yeah of my adductor actually yeah awful um i then had to chase dexter who was a puppy at the time round a roundabout with a torn hamstring an hour later which i'm convinced was like the that was it (laughs) just reminding you i still remember though i remember limping out the house dexter slipping out his harness and then just like bang and you're like before you know you like got him in your arms you're like I just ripped my adductor a minute ago, but it was fine there. Yeah. Weird. But yeah, so that led to, I remember sat watching a CrossFit documentary, like the latest one that had just come out at the time. Don't know what it would be. Redeemed in the Dominant um, maybe, or Road, maybe. To the, Road to the Fittest. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, man, like, cause you were at the time where you'd been doing CrossFit for maybe two years or something at that point. Um, so I did, what's the CrossFit workout? It's like 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, squat, bench. Deadlift, bench, clean and jerk. Yeah, it was at regionals that year. I can't remember, but I I, I know the one that it was. Like Cindy or, no, Margaret. Whatever, yeah. Like Joanne. I did that, and I was like, man, that was, like, that was actually really good fun. Mm. Then did six months of CrossFit. Then I injured myself again, twice, in uh, the Open. So I was doing 21-59, 21-59 with the deadlifts and handstand walks. Um and I just approach 140, like, it's just 140. How bad can this be? You get, like, seven reps in, and you're like, yeah. Quite bad. Quite, quite bad, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think I, like, dinged my hamstring a little bit, did my wrist, doing clean and jerk. And now I'm kind of, like, honestly, at the moment, I'm kind of just 
fitness is just like de- totally deprioritized for me. Mm. It's a bit of a shame, but it does feel like what where I am at now is the thing that I'm aggressively chasing. So if I go back to like 19 year old me, I was aggressively chasing fitness. I was aggressively chasing being leaner, getting stronger um, because of what I thought I'd get from it. Um, and now I think probably the same thing for me is business and like per- other areas of personal development and all that sort of stuff. Um, just because I think I know that if I put more effort into my fitness, what I'd get out of it's probably not what I maybe once expected. So that's kind of my journey. I like it. Sad, you, sad, I think, I guess. No, I, I think it's cool. Seth, why don't you give us yours? So yeah, um, met, I think met Johnny in like the school gym at the age of 16. Um, I was doing all sorts of stupid stuff like all the like Pavel Tatsulin and I can't even remember the name of the guy who was making you do like a thousand Hindu squats and Hindu press-ups every day. Yeah. It was called like com- combat core conditioning or some- something like that. Um, I- I've got an image of Johnny trying a pre-workout for the first time. Like it, it became as like a free sample in like a magazine <laughs> and then had <laughs> like, Matt, yeah, had yeah. like two cables behind him. Um, so holding onto the cables and doing like a loaded sprint and then stepping back and doing that again. Um, then I discovered the strong lift five by five program. Didn't you do, sorry to interrupt, didn't you do like an arm program that was like arms MX 5000 or something? Oh, didn't probably. You? Yeah. Like all kinds of. Sure. There's it because your original like transformation article, you were talking about doing like really high volume arm work. Oh yeah, I've I've basically done every like free ebook and <laughs> and like ridiculous program that and like surprisingly none of it worked. One because I ate like an absolute pigeon. Um, then I I bought some whey and I had like one scoop of it or like almost a scoop of it once once every day that I was training and I was thinking like oh that that'll be it like despite eating maybe eight hundred calories a day. Started the strong lift five by five program, which that's when progress started to move up just because I was using a barbell doing some kind of progressive overload did the squats and milk program which is where you take so three times a week you take your 10 rep max with a squat which there was no squat rack so I had to just set up the bar onto like um gymnastic horses wasn't it school yeah school gymnastic horses like get underneath it like squeeze underneath and then start my set you do a set of 10 which is your 10 rep max and then you keep the bar on your back and you take five to ten deep breaths and you do another rep and you keep doing that until you hit 20 and then you have a gallon of milk a day so i was having a gallon of whole milk 4.7 liters of whole milk every day just sat in class um and i remember doing this and like throwing up raspberry whey down my top while i had the bar on my back um <laughs> doing these like squats of milk being so out of breath and just like and, and like this was in a this was in like a, a gym where again no squat rack you just have to like fashion together a bunch of kit so i must have just looked a bit mental um then went to uni got uh got a coach based on johnny's no, no in fact this was sorry before this so i was 59 kilos stayed around that weight went to uni gained 31 kilos over <laughs> three months so that is half my body weight um by basically drinking a pint of cream, a pint of double cream every night before bed, glasses of olive oil between meals, uh, cheesecake in the blender, just like quality an weight. Or, then real quality, quality weight. Oh, real quality weight. My lifts didn't go up at all during that period. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, it's all muscle because my t-shirts were fitting tighter. Um, so did that, 
had uh, mutant mass as well, mm. like a weight gainer that's like 2,000 calories per serving, lots of vomiting throughout this period just from like, not from like uh, purging, but just from like being so full mechanically that if you make any sudden movements, <laughs> it all just comes out. <laughs> it comes out. Well, I mean, if, you, if you're carrying a really full <clears throat> pint across a, a busy bar and someone knocks into you, right? It goes it goes all over the floor, yeah. <laughs> and so after that, got lean. Um, later on, started to gain more weight again. Did Do you remember like, why you got lean? Uh, just because this is when we were setting up propane. We were like, oh, we, we, need, a, uh, we need a transformation. And then I was like, oh, I'll give it a go. I'm probably like two weeks off being lean. <laughs> <laughs> you were like 90 kilos at the time. 90 kilos. I remember out. sitting in the kitchen of my like uni accommodation with the two of us and Dan, and we we're like, "Yeah, we'll start a fitness website." And then we all looked at each other like, oh, "One of us is going to have to get in shape for this." And you were like, "I'll do it." And then you, I remember you did a rapid fat loss program. Oh, you were eating yeah. peppers and doing like high intensity interval training and <laughs> all this protein sparing modified fast. Yeah, That's like seven hundred calories a day of just protein. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and. Yeah, it, it, I think I was just so deeply experimental and just wanting to just try anything for for giggles. Um, later on, start did a powerlifting competition. Johnny and I started going to different competitions. Um, then hired a coach on Johnny's recommendation, who was Eric Helms. We've had him on the podcast multiple times now. Um, got very lean, like silly lean by this point. Like could see pancreas secreting insulin um <laughs> like we'd walk past the window and just see like like striations and fasciculations in like the top of your chest and stuff and like you know when you start to see like in, in your jaw as well yeah. had that um got pretty unwell with how lean i was like just always run down like super food anxious super like just dysfunctional susceptible or being ill erectile oh, dysfunction all the stuff that we all of that yeah like really well. yeah. wired all the time as well did an Olympic lifting competition, did multiple powerlifting competitions, like smashed the powerlifting competitions in that weight class because I was just, I just wasn't a 74 kilo lifter. I was a 83 kilo lifter hiding in, <laughs> in the weight class below because I'd managed to like eliminate all body fat. You got, you got drug tested because you just had such tight delt separation when it's like ev- everyone else comes off the platform, like a bit out of shape. And then there's Yusuf when he like, as soon as he tensions to pull the bar off the ground, there's like like chest just like fans out full 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 peacock yeah (laughs) it's it's quite funny in that situation because in clothes you don't look like you lift out of clothes people are like no way are you 74 kilos (laughs) yeah it's a big dichotomy right Mm. (laughs) yeah so then did we're continuing to doing doing gymnastics like throughout that and that was kind of what initially got me into weightlifting in the first place like to condition for gymnastics then had an ongoing disc issue, which um, I remember Chris came to my house and um, brought like a gift package, like which was like an innocent package. smoothie. I, I believe Soreen, like a bunch of drugs. Motorol. Yeah, Voterol. Uh, like that, that was lovely. Cause that, I, was bad. that was I remember the, the pain was so bad, you like couldn't walk. Oh, it, God, you were like, you were tearing up because you were moving and it was hurting so much. Constantly, and, yeah. Like yeah. Just like spent a few days just lying on the floor, and like if you have to go to the bathroom, you're like, oh no, it, it felt like such a journey because it yeah. take like an hour to like support yourself over. Um, that culminated in getting ill in hospital with an infection, but then got kind of I think a discitis or a just Gitis. worsening of that, <laughs> the gitis, lost yeah. function of my left leg for a bit. 
for, so for about six months, um, lost sensory motor function of the, the <laughs> S1 dermatome of my left leg. Um, yeah, yeah, me too, mate. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like time. sort of like shuffling around for a few months. Like I couldn't couldn't extend my left foot thinking like, well, that's it. I've finally done it. Like I've ignored all the pain signals, <laughs> deadlifting and, you know, and it's because well and it's actually totally because of this this like bravado attitude you see online of like if you don't squat every day to a max you're a pussy and if if you're in pain it's it you know you just got to train through it and all this stuff and i just like there there was literally i've got a screenshot of like some marketing thing from t nation of a guy saying i was taking this micro pa supplement and i gained 15 pounds of muscle even while i was so ill that i had to drag an oxygen canister around the gym with me and you're like if that's not irresponsible marketing. <laughs> mm. You remember the, the yeah. video that was like Sebastian Cosette gained 400 pounds on his leg press and dropped 25% body fat. And you're like, oh my God. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's what I need. Marketing. Yeah. Yeah. So did, did that program, bodybuilding, well, I, I bodybuilder. I, I bodybuilder. God, that was so... developed out of a Black Ops bodybuilding project, you remember? <laughs> <laughs> really well produced. Um, you couldn't get away so... with that now. In the, in, the, in the era of GDPR, there's no way you could get away with, with Excuse me. Have <laughs> I mean, you got my leg press data? <laughs> the, the era of, yeah, GDPR and um, COVID and complaints and like wow. post, postmodernism. At a time. Kids, kids today will never know. When you could watch a video like that and actually be legit convinced that like this is all you needed was the iBodybuilder program, like how nice life was. When when the Jack Jack three D pre workout had illegal compounds in it, like literally had an amphetamine. uh, Yeah, one three dimethyl amylene, I believe it's. Was that the derivative of amphetamine or something? Yeah, stuff. Do you remember the first time you took that? Yeah. What happened? Very itchy face. I also was, because I was taking a lot of no Expl- NO Explode at the time. That was my... <laughs> NO Explode. My, NO Explode was my, was my boy, because I just thought that the more nitric oxide that I had in my body, the, 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 the bigger I was. So I was just taking that, and I'm like, oh, fucking hard as fuck me, fuck off. Um, so I like, put two of it in, and it was actually it was like, the taste is not too bad. It's like lemon and lime sort of it's lovely flavor. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty pretty Delicious. easy to get down. Definitely over measured it, and um, I remember spending most of that training session just desperately scratching my face, like because yeah. you get the the um, blood capillaries dilate. Right? Is that correct, Scone? Is that why? You, I mean, like all of the effects of an amphetamine. Like there's there's always people talking about pill willy from from jack jack 3d i think i got a i got a seven rep pb so i hit my three rep max for squats for 10 <laughs> and and then i was really unwell for a week afterwards like I, I kind of stumbled home from the gym like you know when you start to see the the tunnel vision start to kick yeah, closes in, in your yeah. peripheral and, and then i was like oh and i just went to bed and just ill for a few days for a long time yeah. i remember looking at the because i think i'd gone by this point I'd been take I'd been we'd been trying like NO explode and all these different pre workouts and I'd even gone like off piste because this is back when in the good old days when my protein the way they worked was you could just buy bags of individual supplements and sort of make Blend your own together. thing yeah it, my so, like, protein yeah exactly yeah like back like before they were releasing like the my vegan bars you know when they were, when it was done properly 
so I was I was already like mixing like arginine and caffeine and like stirring it all up and like necking it before the gym. So Horny I remember looking weed. at the yeah tri- like tribulus, all the stuff you could possibly get in your pre workout. Looked at the tub. I was like, I'm sure it said like no more than three scoops. I was like bollocks. Like mm-hmm. I I have a lot of coffee. I have a lot of stuff. I'll just I'll try four. There's no way it's more caffeine than a normal pre workout. Hit a I think I got like two, just two thirty <laughs> for six deadlift which at the time was meant like way over similar to Yusuf then went to the cinema and it was also my high carb day went to the cinema had two bags of wine gums and then just got debilitating cramp in the cinema <laughs> so I remember like I remember standing outside I had to leave the cinema standing outside the showing with my leg on a bin trying to stretch out my hamstring like in like seething like really bad pain and everyone's walking past going like I'm just like you see how long his legs are. <laughs> yeah. Looking, looking for you. So but, here's here's yeah. something that I can see that's a universal across both of yours, which is that um, part of the inflection point where you changed your training methodology occurred due to injuries of one kind or another. Yeah. Um, yeah. A, a disenchantment with training, um, a lack of novelty in the training that you were doing because you'd done a lot of it already, mm. and then. Um, Yes. I think realizing that like all that we've been doing was aggravating the injury and just continuing to ignore the fact that it was just making it worse and being like, why am I just pursuing loading my body with more and more weight with no particular end point? Because you, you can get away with it when you're 18 and you're just basically made of like, you're Rubber just like one of those magic. packs of jelly, yeah, <laughs> jelly that you drop in the water. You just it, like it's that, incredible. You? I remember being able to do like heavy like I snatch and then deadlift to a max and then go to gymnastics that evening and then wake up the next day feeling absolutely fine mm-hmm. like yeah. just normal no doms or anything now like i feel like i've been hit by a bus let's remember <laughs> yeah. remember what i said during my definition this is this is why the fitness menopause is such a robust concept because it mm-hmm. is as you become chronically aware of your own mortality maybe you mm-hmm. get injured once or twice maybe your bounce back from the injury doesn't quite happen as quickly maybe you realize that um your fitness like actual genuine cardiovascular fitness hasn't been cared for apart from only in service of a cut um for like a long time like if the only time that you ever get your heart rate up is in the months of may june and bit of july before the lads holiday or like the girls the girls trip away and stuff and um yeah I, i think there's and the same for me right the all of the different categories that you guys identified there from training to just have externalized socialized rewards to then getting a little bit bored with it to then getting a little bit injured to then trying a few things to then finding something that I'm happy with and then dialing my training back and then actually finding um, a sense of fulfillment and pleasure uh, where training becomes integrated into my life as opposed to being my life which it was for quite a long time Mm -hmm. and um I think that it's actually part of a broader menopause which occurs. But if I need to, if saying menopause so much is triggering, I don't know whether menopause is like a, a, a word that we really shouldn't be using, but it's the one that we've chosen. We are going to be in a bit of trouble. People know, I think people know what we mean. Good. Don't they? Good. Thank yeah. you. Um, voice of reason there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think it's part of a broader menopause that you go through again, you know, especially, I think, particularly for guys because. 
we mature so much, so much more slowly. Like there's so much latent maturity that should have occurred in men <laughs> under the age of 25. And then it kind of like, it's, you know, when you pull a spring and it's starting to load up and load up and load up and then the thing holding the spring at the back lets go and it goes. Mm. Well, it, except for the fact that you can, I think you can make a fart joke to a man of any age. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's okay, still yeah. funny. Yeah, you've yeah. got, you've got, latent uh like old school grandfathered in jokes like that haven't you so um but yeah i think it's a part of that as well because it was at the same time that i made that switch to crossfit that i was like oh i'm gonna play around with a little bit more self-development and oh maybe i'm gonna question whether i should deprogram the way that i use alcohol and oh maybe i should see if i can start working on my sleep routine oh maybe i should do this podcast and start reading and do you know a bunch of other things so i think it it all is part of a a a wider change that people go through in their lives but i genuinely believe that um by looking at different ways to integrate fitness into your life you can potentially service some of those other changes you know if you start to now train for something which is genuinely internally enjoyable to you which has objective measures of performance, which I think is a really big thing. Like if all that you're doing is subjective measures of of progress, Mm. i.e. aesthetics and bodybuilding, you're never ever going to actually know if you're making progress. And that's one of the reasons that I think people have anxiety about their training, that they never actually know if they're better. You know, it's like, am I, am I actually like, well, I mean, do my delts look, my delts look a bit better than last year, but like maybe my glutes are a bit more down and blah, blah. Like, uh, so it, it's one of the most depressing things about bodybuilding as a sport that like, even if you're a professional bodybuilder, yeah, you can go by measurements, but really like the way that it's ultimately judged is by a subjective panel preference. of judges. Preference. And, and there, yeah. there are Mr. Olympias that have been busting themselves for ages to try it and they'll just never win because the judges don't happen to like their physique. And you're like... Mm-hmm. Well, I prefer no. a physique that's got a little bit more traps. And you're like, well, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, what do you mean by that? Whereas, again, if you've got CrossFit, this is one of the, uh, definitely one of the things that you can say about CrossFit, powerlifting, weightlifting, 100 kilos is 100 kilos. Like, it's always going to be 100 kilos. And if you lift it 10 times last week and then 11 times this week, you have made definitively, by definition, you have made progress. Yeah. Yeah. The thing, The thing that is good about... So the thing that's a challenge about most strength sports, most barbell-based sports, probably not including strongman, is you are trying to improve such a narrow range of things that it's quite easy to have, like especially once you've been training for three, four years, it's quite easy to have like six months, years, where you made a, maybe don't make any progress at all. Like I think my bench stalled for like four years. Like add up the reps done to oh. achieve nothing, like objectively nothing. And you think, well, what's the point where something like CrossFit, because of the, the it's just this broad plane of things you could improve on, um, it's a, I think mentally it's easier. What it also well, it's, it, it's why you start slacklining, Chris, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's a perfect example of something that is for no gain other than I think it's quite fun. And Seth, you got, you got to do it with me. And, um, it's hard. It's, it's real challenging, but mm. like, I'm not doing it because I think it's going to improve my glute gains. I'm not going to lie and say that um, it is. There's not a little bit of me that wants to be good at it so that I can show off. Like, I'm aware. Mm-hmm. I'm aware that that's probably in there. That's deep why down. we do anything. Yeah, 
But I, I genuinely like that slacklining. For people that don't know slacklining, it's kind of like less weird. Um, uh, what's that thing they used to do in the circus? Tightrope. Tightrope. It's like less weird tightrope, isn't it? Um, but you can, it's a flat piece of material that you can stand on and walk along and, and kind of the real good people can go like this. Yeah, you wiggle from side to side. Um, but that with a podcast on in the sunshine for an hour is mm-hmm. for me what like beautiful way to spend an afternoon, especially if it's a rest day from more heavy, heavily loaded training. But if you mm-hmm. told 21 year old Chris that my idea of a good Sunday afternoon would be to go and listen to a couple of fellas talk in a room in a pair of wireless headphones and stand on a flat piece of material in between two trees in the park next to my house. I, I'd have been very, very disappointed. But I, show, I guess that shows how our preferences and, and stuff I, I think most people get into it to begin with because they just want to be more attractive and like more impressive. Like they want to impress their mates or impress... Yeah, bodybuilding, do you mean? Or yeah, or like just fitness in general. Like most people... It's because they want to improve how they look and they want to improve how they look to be more impressive. But I think once you've like that, we've all entered the phase at which like it actually stops being impressive and starts being a bit weird. So <laughs> like, how, we, how much do you lift, mate? 300. Well, uh, how much even just someone telling you to, to get there? Yeah. Oh, how, yeah. <laughs> how much what? How much have they had to sacrifice to get there? When you see someone that is that lean, you know mm. that they can't have that much else going on in their life. So this mm. is the bizarre thing about what signaling does. Signaling in any form tells you a lot more than just that one signal is. It's like, okay, what are the second, third, fourth order effects back upstream from whatever I'm seeing in front of me? Like mm. this particular person who's unbelievably lean, strong, big, whatever it might be, they have to have some deficiencies elsewhere or they have to have some side effects, shall I say, not necessarily deficiencies, because there's been some sacrifices that have had to be made for that. Um, and, yeah, as, as your preferences change across time, I think it, um, it's... And the other thing as well is gym bros especially, they select or they identify a very particular type of caricaturistic, a caricature that girls don't actually find all that attractive. Mm-hmm. Like, if you gave a lad that was just a normal fella who was confident because he'd worked on being socially capable, and a guy who was much more reserved, didn't have any of the social capabilities, but did 531 for a couple of years, the guy that is able to laugh and joke and, and, and go on with people in a group is going to be significantly more popular socially and also significantly better with the opposite sex. And the same, I think, goes for girls as well. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that, that's a good point. Like in terms of attractiveness, like from selecting for the things that you're training for, but even within that as well. So we've just posted an Instagram post of uh, the, the attributes that people typically train for in ter- so, so that men typically train for when they're when they're wanting to to look better is biceps, abs, shoulders, triceps. Like, whereas the attributes that women on average prefer physically in men are glutes, back, um, and legs. So, is that a study somewhere? Yeah, I'll I'll try and find the citation, but it's it, it basically says that like we we are optimizing for the wrong thing. If you're if you're training to to look better for the opposite sex, like the things that you think are important are not the things that the people opposite. find attractive in you. Do the yeah. opposite. 
I was saying this to Becca the other day. We were just walking Dex and I just had this realization of like, you can tell a lot about someone by how much they barbell row. <laughs> yeah. Can't, like you in, meet someone with a huge barbell row and like that person, very patient. Wasn't an accident. Well, definitely wasn't an accident. What isn't doing it really for any kind of approval. Cause like who brags about their barbell row? You can't see the effect of a barbell row in the mirror. It is pure, just like I am in the pursuit of self-improvement here. And that's all I'm after. I just want to slightly improve my barbell row over time. So and the, I, I the, just don't think the there are very many that other... makes you more attractive Well, exactly, well. yeah. I just don't think there are very many other exercises you can say that of. Maybe a dumbbell, so any rowing movement. Chin-up, probably as well. But even that's a bit... It a feels showy. a bit more bicep Yeah, a bit more showy. Well, I mean, deadlifts. Deadlifts. I don't know. I think like that's the most way you can move, isn't it, on an exercise, pretty much. Mm, yeah. So when people are doing rack, like three inch rack pulls, you're like, come on, mate. Yeah, what's going on here? Stop it. Look, look at that. Uh, so yeah, I think, like I say, part of a broader change that people have where they start to remember that they used to do art as a kid. Ah, maybe I'm going to go and take an art class, or maybe I'm going to start doing another language, or I'll re-pick up the guitar. I haven't played that in however many years. or You know, and this is... I, it, to some of the listeners who are older than we are this might just sound like we're going yes mate that's what getting fucking older is whereas to us we're like oh look my mm. body my body's changing and my injuries aren't going away as quickly and it's like yeah, yeah welcome yeah. aging motherfucker yeah. well I, I would quite like if, if there's anyone listening who is over the age of 35 40 and thinks that we're just spouting absolute obvious truisms then please comment and let us know <laughs> but everything's everything's obvious to someone isn't it yeah. Like if we were if we were genuinely putting out like groundbreaking information here, then I think that's quite something. I think fitness menopause is fairly groundbreaking. <laughs> I, think, I think when you map, I think when you start to map, and uh, man, I hope that we've red pilled the shit out of some people today. I hope that there's some listeners who will go away and think I'm actually going to try a different form of training because I don't feel that engaged with my bro style split anymore i don't really feel mm. like it's benefiting me across the board i'm sick of having my um progress judged purely subjectively by myself like not even yeah. by other people there is something a bit like that so that's very important for people that are at the the fall side of the curve Apex. the end of the curve <clears throat> there are also people who are pre this curve and should not assume that they've hit the fitness menopause if you've been training less than two three years you are nowhere near the fitness menopause. And if anything, if you don't lift weights and, you, and you're doing other stuff, you will always benefit from getting, you'll still get a lot of the, the like the low-hanging fruit from lifting weights just for a bit, just get mm -hmm. a basic level competence and then you can do whatever you, yeah. whatever you like. Well, it's, I mean, that's coming from a proper, proper doctor. I mean, not, proper not, doctor. not your doctor. We are not. We are not <laughs> your doctor, doctor, but yeah. he is a doctor. And um, yeah, what, what was it that you said before that um, a lot of the biomechanical problems and health problems that you get would be fixed if someone could do a body weight squat and a push up? Oh, for, in terms of soft tissue niggling injuries and like all all that kind of stuff, absolutely. But there, there is also just a pure uh, mortality improvement, like all cause mortality. It, one one of the biggest factors is grip strength. And yes, that's a correlation and it might be the people who are dying have weaker grip and so on. But if you improve your grip strength, if you improve your total muscle mass, there are so many metabolic, cardiovascular, 
um, and just overall mortality um, improvements and reduction in risk that you can get from that. Plus, you look better, you feel better. Like it's a no-brainer to lift weights for a bit and just get basic levels of strength. I bought a Rolling Thunder. Have I told you about this? Do you know what Rolling Thunder is? No. No. So it's a spinning handle. It's a big spinning. Think of fat grips. Yeah. Everyone who's going through fitness menopause knows what a fat grip is. That's another thing. Yeah. So think of a fat grip. So it's a handle that that comes down and clips onto a lifting pin that you plate load. And then you, so that you've got, you've got plates, a yeah. pin and a handle that spins yeah. that's, that's wide. And you have to uh, pick yeah, that yeah, up, yeah, pick yeah, that up grip. and get it up to a certain height. Now that is one of the most, it, it's got the weirdest like strength curve. So I can do like sets of five, sets of 10 with 50 kilos, but I cannot make 60 kilos leave the floor at all. <laughs> and it's just grip. It's like pinch and why, support um, grip. Why are you trying to improve your grip? Because, because why not? Banter. Well, isn't well, that... just, it's just something I've not tried. So I was like, I saw that. I was like, oh, that's pretty good. I wonder, I wonder what I could do on that. And then lo and behold, a lot harder than you think. Did you get retargeted with the discount at some point on a pixel? Bet you did. It was actually it was actually Martin Burkan. So he's someone who's just been right the whole time <laughs> um, and still is right. Um, but he started working on his grip because I think he couldn't deadlift or something. Or he had maybe had golfer's elbow or something like something happened. So he's like, I'm going to work on my grip. And he's gone full deep end with it. Like he's, I think he's competing in Iron Mind competitions and things with it. So Iron Mind are the people who make the, the proper lifting straps. Like if anyone's seen a set of blue lifting straps, does anyone know what I mean? Yeah, they're great. They're, they're like, very I've got some rated R, like that, you know, that you they'd never snap. Big deal. Put it that way. Yeah. Have, anyone, have, have you all got a captain of Crush as well? A cock? No. I've used one. Have you used one, Chris? No, I don't. I do not need to do more forearm work. For, yeah, that's true. <laughs> your grip's really impressive, actually, Chris. Yeah, it'd be ridiculous. We should test your grip. <laughs> but there's yeah. like there's, there's crush, there's pinch, and there's support. Three aspects of grip. And You've I really just, gone got, deep on grip, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, by accident though. Well, Chris has got turgid, turgid, and turgid, doesn't he? For full, full, lean, and striated. <laughs> so a, a captain of crush is like a one of those old school grip trainers. It's like looks like that, and you you, you squeeze it together. And chicken, uh, the, there's five different difficulties. I I was like, I'll go for a three. Like that'll be. I, I can barely move it. Like it's yeah. so that they're, they're clearly not just made for like one to five difficulty yeah. for general population. It's like I no. think number five, like two people in the world have ever closed it or something. Well, number five is just a solid object, isn't it? <laughs> Just a bit of metal box. Yeah, yeah. Just a metal box. What's this for? I think the world record Rolling Thunder lift is like 120, 130 kilos. And you hear that and you think, it doesn't sound that bad. That was literally what I thought. I was like, I wonder whether I wonder when I could I do 100 kilos? Not even close. Not even half of that lift I can even budge off the ground. And you're you're like, you can can deadlift. Well, you're like, what can I improve here? Like, am I honestly going to try and hypertrophy my forearm? Like, <laughs> but, you know, who, who's that made for? Like, if 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 you are a, you've been to worlds powerlifting, like, and you've got and your deadlift is your strongest movement, yeah, and you still can't like you're the guy that can't get half of the world record in that. Thing. It's people who are doing like five by five with three hundred, isn't it? It's it's the it's when you think, when you think you're strong, and like you're strongest out your mates, you go to a powerlifting competition, you're like mm, not that strong. And then you win a powerlifting competition, you're like, oh, I'm pretty strong. And then you go to Worlds, 
and you just stand at the entrance and just go, nah. what? And <laughs> you see there's a fellow with a checkered shirt who walks in and, and cut, off, <laughs> cut off jean shorts and high military but boots no, but, on. But that's the thing. That's what you expect, but none of them are like that. That's just to the finish things stuff. off, Johnny, can you talk to us about the, um, the Chinese lady at Finland? Oh, Jesus. Yeah, okay, so warm-up room. World, so like, it's like Lane Norton, Christoph Wisbicki, like Ray Williams, all these like people you've seen in on Instagram warming up in this room. And in the corner is a is an old Chinese lady wearing like bandages, like medical bandages around her knees, doing tempo squats with 170. And she must have been like she must have been 60 odd kilos. But it was just like straight line, straight line. Just grooving, just control. High bar. Yeah. Like. <laughs> and like when you've got like Polish world champions, like what's that you know like you're like who are you and no one really she wasn't competing just she was training, just in, just she was just in the warm-up room getting a session in jesus christ yeah. but yeah none of them are none of them are that they're all just like totally unassuming like you, you see them afterwards sort of in the finnish supermarket buying some like weird cheese and a sausage or something and like they all just look like completely normal people but on a platform monsters would you not think Absolute that's monsters. that's the most interesting thing about people that do these physical pursuits it's that you could see them out at the supermarket mm -hmm. and just think oh he's a normal he's just, uh -huh. a, no he's just a normal fella yeah it's like you know the people who have done mma but don't have cauliflower ear you're like yeah. you're the yeah. really dangerous bastard you're the one to keep away because i can that. identify someone who's done bjj for 10 years because they've got the they've got the ears but like if you're <laughs> one of the people who's managed to protect his ears you're just a, a nuclear warhead, a complete lethal weapon just walking around. It's very Fight Club. It very is, Fight Club. It is very Fight Club. Uh, look, we've done it. Fitness Menopause. We'll see uh, if anyone's been red-pilled by that. Let us know if uh, any of those points resonate with you. I know that they do. They either do resonate with you or you're lying to yourself about the fact that you don't think they resonate with you or you're just not trained long enough. Yeah. Just yeah. To, what's the... Okay, so final thing. How long does someone need to do a push-pull-leg split before they're allowed to enter the fitness three, menopause group? Three to five years of pec deck and leg press. With or, no do, or do something like 5-3-1, where like, you, you want to be regularly thinking, Monday, you want to be worried about your Friday squat session. <laughs> Thursday night, you want to be really like, you struggling get, to sleep. Thursday night, you want to be like, no, no, I can't go out tonight because tomorrow, <laughs> like, I need an early night. Why? It's well, it's week. like six. It's the sixth wave of the threes week of five, three, one. What do you, what do you, what do you mean? Why do I need an early night? If that's how you start thinking, and you start, and, and you're going into the gym terrified, and if you miss the rep, you're devastated. Sit in that phase of time for at least a couple of years. Then you're allowed to do something else. Fitness Menopause Club. Look, gentlemen, thank you very much. Propanefitness.com slash podcast. will No, slash Modern Wisdom. Unbelievable. Gets it wrong every time. Sorry. Propanefitness.com slash Modern Wisdom. Yeah. Good. That's, well, that's for people who want to do online coaching. Um, or you can go to forward slash calculator if you want some macros. I love it, man. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you very much. I'll get you on again soon. But for now, bye-bye. Bye-bye.